You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio with Andy Barrar. Got lots of uh, cool stuff to talk about today in the tech world. Later on, uh, we'll be finding a little bit more out about uh, Bill C-51 and uh, now that it's passed, what it means for Canadians and uh, if you're concerned, what uh, you can do about it uh, as well. Are you concerned, Andy? Um, yeah. Or you know, do you know, you know, do you know you, enough about it yet? I, I do. I do. And you know why I'm concerned? Because I think it was like 50 or 100 of the tech leaders in Canada all signed an open letter to the government uh, protesting it. Including Ryan Holmes in Hootsuite here. In, including Ryan Holmes from yeah. Hootsuite. So when, when Ryan Holmes gets behind something like that, and he's one of like you know the biggest tech companies in Canada right now, one of the fastest growing, if he's concerned, I'm concerned. So that's why I'm concerned. <laughs> How's that lot for logic? <laughs> you weirdo. Uh, coming up also later in the hour, we'll be uh, taking your tech calls and questions. We'll be going general open line as well. And of course, app of the week. With Christina at the uh, end of the show, we are uh, periscoping this uh, this show. Uh, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, that is a uh, a live video stream, so you can actually see uh, the faces of radio live. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you uh, are hooked in with Twitter, uh, this is a great way to uh, access it. Uh, you can actually download the Periscope app uh, from uh, the Apple App Store and watch on your iPhone or iPad, uh, or you can. Uh, go up uh, to the Periscope uh, website uh, as well to check it out. Yeah, so you'll need to find the link. And so if you go to our Twitter page right now, say you have your laptop in front of you, you can just go to our Twitter page. Uh, Our handle is at GetConnectedNow. And from there, you can find the link. And you could also, if you don't have an iPhone, you can watch it online on your browser, which is what I did last week when I was away. I was watching you guys. On your Android phone. Uh, no, I wasn't watching on Android, no. on my uh, PC at home. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. And so for the, those folks tuning in on Periscope uh, in the live video stream, we have we have uh, special contests just for them during the breaks. That's right. So if you are on Periscope during the commercial breaks, we're going to tell you what this contest is and how you can enter. And it's only available for our Periscope viewers. Don't worry. For the rest of the listeners, we also have the regular radio show contest, which we'll announce uh, in a little while. Uh, as well, uh, Verizon uh, down in the uh, the U.S. Andy, uh, this was a big thing this week. Uh, they're a big uh, telecom player down there. Uh, they bought AOL, America Online, and and I, I'm imagining a lot of listeners are are probably asking, they're still around? Yeah, AOL, exactly. Yeah. You got mail. You've got mail. Well, if you remember back in the '90s, that's how like a vast majority of people got on the internet with you know dial-up connections with their modems. And I know a lot of the kids right now are going, modem? What's a modem? (laughs) Well, kids, back in the old days, we couldn't just turn on our computer or smartphones and access the Internet instantly. We had to actually have uh, a modem, which hooked into our telephone lines, to uh, essentially dial up with the right software to hook into things like email and what was kind of the Internet back then. And AOL... Uh, was one of the big ones, America Online. Yes, they had that big campaign back in the 90s where they were shipping CDs of their software, and you can get about one month free. I think that's what it was. Yeah. So you can imagine, like, 1995, you have a PC, and you get this CD-ROM come into the mail, and suddenly you can connect to the world. That's what I did. I got hooked. But the thing is, back then, it was all dial-up. So if you were on the internet, people couldn't call you. They would get a busy signal. Yeah, to your telephone line. Yes, and my mom got a lot of busy signals. (laughs) So much so that I I convinced her to get me my own telephone line just so I could go on this interweb thing that I was so excited about. It was was an amazing, like, honestly, kids, 
you're listening, uh, if you could see what you could access back then, you would just die. There was no Snapchat. There was no Facebook. There was like some chat rooms. Yep. You could get email for those other people that had email, which wasn't a lot. Uh, so it wasn't like that fantastic, but it really kind of um, was the start of what we know as the, the net today. That's right. Back then, our browser was called Net, Netscape Navigator, and you would watch the web page load up. It'd take, it'd take a couple, like maybe 20 seconds for it to load <laughs> up. So you would just sit there and watch a little yeah. bit come. And, you, and, and that was amazing. And that was amazing. That was ama- and, oh, my God, there's a picture. And then you finally saw the picture. You're like, yeah. wow, that's amazing. Yeah. How far we've come, Mike. Well, anyway, back to the main story here. <laughs> Verizon has bought them for $4.4 billion. Why? Well, believe it or not, Andy, they still have 2 million internet subscribers, mm-hmm. which is nothing really in the big scheme of things. But what they're buying them for is the, the content. Um, AOL in their quest to remain relevant uh, since you know modems and dial-up internet kind of died out. They started buying up tons of content websites. Yep. So um, you know a lot of people don't know this, but uh, AOL America Online they own the Huffington Post, Engadget, mm-hmm. uh, TechCrunch, and you know thousands of other content publishers. And so um, they make a lot of money off advertising online. Ab- absolutely. And they're also you know a huge content producer as well. And what's interesting is you know for us get connected. You know, we do a radio show here. We also do a television program. And all the video that we do, we put up online. And, you know, typically we all put it up on YouTube, which most people think of video. That's where you go. But we also have been putting up on the America Online uh, Network. Mm-hmm. And we get 20 times more traffic through the America Online Network than YouTube. It, it blows me away because we have the same video on YouTube and, the, and AOL. Yeah. But then you look at the views and it's like, I still don't know where they are getting these views from. <laughs> I know it's coming from the States. Well, what's happening because they have so many uh, content publishers and websites, yeah. you know, like Huffington Post uh, and what have you. Uh, these editors for these websites, um, they basically go into the back end where all, you know, the video we put in and, you know, lots of other people do as well. And they cherry pick, you know, the stuff that works for their stories. And so that's why it, it works so well. So if you are interested in checking out our AOL channel, you just have to go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and you'll see a little button there. And check out both our YouTube and AOL channels. It's really amazing what AOL is doing on the content side. And it made no, it's no surprise that Verizon would want to buy that. that this is a cla- you don't have to go to business school to know this is a classic example of vertical integration between the supplier of Internet and combining the content on that side. And that's what they need because, Mike, I think you know this. They're going to launch a streaming service, video streaming service, like very Netflix. similar to Netflix. Yeah. Right? We've seen it happen in Canada. With we, Show Me. Show Me, Crave TV by Bell. So, of course, Verizon, which is what the biggest player in the U.S., they're going to do the same thing. And getting AOL really makes a lot of sense because now they got that whole content aspect nailed down plus the whole ad generating uh, revenue from that as well. This is interesting, Andy. Uh, the internet, uh, we talked with uh, Dave Sheldon this morning about it. The internet's running out of IP addresses. Mm-hmm. And so IP stands for Internet Protocol. These little addresses are almost like the phone number for every device that is somehow connected into the internet. So your smartphone, your wireless home Wi-Fi router, your smart TV, everything has an IP address. And that's how uh, it can be found and like sent a, information. It's like a phone number, basically. Yeah, exactly. And we're running out. Uh, I think we're up at 4.3 billion of these addresses, and there's not enough. 
they're going to run out by uh, the end of 2015, early 2016. And, you know, if you look at the numbers, they're estimating that there's going to be, um, right now there's 4.3 billion devices. By 2020, 50 billion devices. 50 billion. And a lot of that is because of this whole trend towards the connected home, the internet of things. Connected cars. Everything is connected. Everything is connected to the internet means everything needs to get an IP address, and, and we're running out because this whole IP address, when they first did it, was back in 1981. A lot's changed since 1981. America Online wasn't even around. Exactly. Well, what's interesting, uh, there's a new uh, protocol. So the current one's called uh, Internet Protocol or IP version 4. There's a new one, uh, IP version 6, uh, which is going to dramatically increase the amount of um, addresses that uh, are available. And get this, I... I I don't know if I'm even saying it right. There's going to be 340 uh, undecillion IP addresses. That's 340 trillion, trillion, trillion addresses. So that's like 340 followed by 36 zeros. That's a lot of IP addresses. It's crazy. It's so much that the New York Times says that's enough IP address for every atom on Earth. So every atom gets their who own IP address. Out? Who at the Wall Street Journal figures that out? It's some math whiz over there. Yeah, who, that's Ed who, down in the basement. You're sitting in the basement <laughs> in the New York Times, yes. Okay, when we come back from the break, uh, super important you stay tuned. Uh, we've got the folks from uh, Open Media uh, talking about Bill C-51, uh, why you might be concerned, and if you are, what you can do about it. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We've uh, got a, a great guest on right now from Open Media. His name is uh, David Christopher. Uh, it's all about B50, uh, B, uh, Bill C-51, and this is something uh, we've been getting a lot of uh, uh, emails in about, Andy. Yeah, absolutely, and I don't think uh, a lot of people really understand what it's all about. And so, uh, David, maybe you can give our readers, a, 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 or our listeners, a Reader's Digest about Bill C-51 what it's all about, and why we should be concerned. Sure, uh, and thank you very much for having me. Uh, Bill C-51 is pretty much one of the most dangerous pieces of uh, legislation, uh, really, that we've seen come through Canada's Parliament in uh, many, many years. Um, it's going to undermine uh, the charter rights of absolutely every resident uh, in Canada, um, and it could actually enable uh, CFIS, who are the uh, domestic security agency, uh, to conduct widespread violations of the charter uh, if this legislation goes through. Uh, it also has really serious implications for our privacy. Uh, it could lead to the personal uh, sensitive information of Canadians uh, being uh, shared uh, among uh, 17 government departments, uh, shared as well with CSIS, and potentially even handed over to foreign governments and the U.S. Uh, NSA. Uh, so it's really no wonder that we've seen so many people uh, from right across the political spectrum, including many uh, grassroots conservative supporters, uh, speaking out uh, about this legislation and uh, working to get it stopped. What kind of information would they be gathering? Um, it's, it's unfortunately, this bill will pretty much undo uh, all the public sector uh, privacy regulations that uh, and safeguards that Canadians have enjoyed uh, for years. Uh, so under this bill, pretty much any piece of uh, information that you provide to the government uh, could then be uh, handed over to CSIS and potentially on, on then to uh, uh, foreign governments. And if you think about it, you know, living in Canada is part of day-to-day -day life. 
uh, to provide information uh, to the government. There are any a number of reasons why you would uh, want to do so. Uh, completing your tax return is the obvious one. Um, but even something as simple as applying for a new uh, driver's license, um, under the current uh, uh, system and with the traditional safeguards, uh, the government is meant to use the information you provide strictly for the purpose for which you provide it. So if you apply for a driver's license or you move province and you apply for a new health card, they're only meant to use that information that you give uh, to issue you a health card or a driver's license. But unfortunately, under Bill C-51, all that uh, uh, information, which uh, when it's collected in aggregate can be really uh, revealing, uh, could potentially just end up in the hands of CSIS and other uh, spy agencies uh, here in Canada and around the world. You know, the proponents of this bill say we need it to protect Canadians from uh, obviously growing uh, terrorist threats and what have you. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? This bill will actually make uh, Canadians less safe. Uh, experts are increasingly concerned uh, that the practice of spy agencies simply uh, conducting dragnet sweeps, collecting everybody's personal information into giant databases, that's actually making our security agencies less effective uh, than they would be if they uh, stuck to a targeted approach. Uh, one academic I know uh, who's uh, one of the top experts in the field on this has uh, said our spy agencies are actually drowning in data uh, right now. And Bill C-51 is actually going to make that problem uh, far worse uh, because they've been collecting so much information on everyday innocent Canadians uh, that it'll make it actually really difficult for them to go after uh, the real targets. So if anything, this bill is going to uh, make us less safe, and it's certainly going to make everybody's uh, privacy and uh, democratic rights uh, far less secure uh, than they are even at the moment. Now, David, I know you and the, the folks at Open Media have been really um, against this bill, but you guys aren't going to give up right now. What, what's the next steps? Oh, we're absolutely not. We're certainly not giving up. Uh, this bill was recently, unfortunately, rammed through the House of Commons after just two days of debate, uh, which is a ridiculously short amount of time uh, to debate a piece of legislation which such uh, far-reaching ramifications are for all of us. Uh, now the bill is going to the Senate, so the next step for us is certainly to uh, pile on the pressure on senators. Uh, we've created a new tool at stopc51.ca uh, where you can actually go and look up who your local senators are and just with a click of a button you can uh, send them a message, tell them to stand up against this bill and to uh, uh, vote it down. Um, so we think it's really important that we keep up the pressure on the Senate. Um, but even over the long run, if this does, if the government use their majority to force this through the Senate, uh, we're going to keep up this fight all the way through to the election, uh, because this isn't the only uh, privacy problem with this government. Uh, we've seen their spy agencies uh, engaged in uh, really reckless activities. Uh, we've seen an online spying bill passed last year. Now we've got Bill C-51. It all adds up to an alarming privacy deficit. Uh, Canadians simply no longer have the privacy safeguards in the digital age uh, that people relied on uh, when we were still using uh, pen and paper or more old-fashioned forms of communication. So we really need a positive plan, a comprehensive approach to roll back surveillance and restore the privacy rights of uh, everybody who lives in uh, Canada. 
What can we do then uh, going forward to protect ourselves against this surveillance? Um, I think it's uh, first and foremost, it's really important, especially over the coming weeks before this crucial final vote in the Senate. It's really important that every senator hears from Canadians, hears how strongly people are opposed. Uh, You know, the opinion polls are showing over 56% oppose this bill now, with less than a third in favour. We really need, I think, to uh, prioritise pressuring the Senate uh, over the weeks ahead. Uh, Over the long run, you know, this is a serious political problem at this point. We're going to be challenging all the parties uh, come the federal election in October to sign up to a positive uh, pro-privacy agenda to restore uh, our privacy rights. And we're certainly going to need uh, Canadian support in uh, helping us uh, pressure these uh, uh, decision makers because we know that, you know, we've seen many times before that when Canadians do come together around an issue, uh, there's very, very little uh, that can uh, that can stop them. So uh, whether it's uh, we win this fight in the Senate or whether we have to take it all the way through until the federal election in October, uh, we're certainly not going to be uh, giving up this fight. It's David Guest, Communication Manager for Open Media. Where can people find out more information about you, David? Uh, best place to go is uh, stopc51.ca. Thank you for joining us today, and good luck. Uh, thank you very much for having me. We're going open line now. Any tech questions, 604-280-9898. Your calls after the break. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We're going to go general open line now, taking your tech calls and questions. So I'm going to give out the phone numbers. 604-280-9898. Long distance, anywhere in Canada or the U.S., one 399 Again, one 399 Good news uh, again, Andy. Uh, get another uh, station to pick us up. That's right. That's the word on the street anyway. So far, the word on the street is all our Edmonton listeners now can uh, enjoy Get Connected. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're in Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, and uh, that is nice. Mm-hmm. That is nice. Phone lines again. Uh, we're going to go general open line, taking your tech calls and questions, 604-280-9898. Long distance, one 399 The contest this week, Andy. This week, we're giving away a copy of System Mechanic Tune-Up Utility Software. Just like your car, your computer needs to have a tune-up every now and then, and System Mechanic will do that all for you. It's one of the leading tune-up softwares out there. It's been around for 20 years, so you know they're doing something well. And you can get a copy of it just by entering on our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. Just go to our contest page and enter and win. And I think we still have the contest for the uh, Lighthouse Labs open as well. Oh, that is a fantastic contest. That one's really good. If you want to go to a boot camp course to learn how to code and become a developer, a web developer, you just have to go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and enter that contest as well. I think it is still open, but... It's going to be closing soon, so you want to enter that right away. Yeah, they're doing some amazing stuff down there at Lighthouse Labs. Uh, again, they've got boot camps happening in a bunch of cities, Vancouver, Toronto. Uh, and these, these camps, I mean, they're, uh, you know, they have a few different ones, part-time ones, full-time ones. Uh, they essentially will take you from zero knowledge up to becoming a, a, a developer of actually mm-hmm. making your own websites and, and apps, depending on what course you take. So we're giving away a part-time one for those who want to, uh, dip their feet in and uh, see what it's all about. Again, getconnectedmedia.com. 
604-280-9898 the phone numbers for general open line here and get connected taking your tech calls and questions 1-877-399-9898 is the uh, long distance number and andy i don't know if you saw this with uh, facebook uh this is something that's been uh talked about over the past few weeks uh, they're going to be going to uh, instant news articles up on the news feed Explain to listeners what that means. Well, a lot of people are getting their news from Facebook. And then you have traditional media like the New York Times that's suffering and trying to figure out how are they going to survive in the digital world. What Facebook has done is basically offered to, to some of the media outlets, nine of them, including the New York Times and BuzzFeed, to post their stories directly on Facebook. So instead of clicking, going back to the website, where the, the New York Times website, for example. Exactly. Everything is going to live on Facebook. And what Facebook is telling these uh, media publishers is that you're going to get a lot of views on Facebook, and you're going to keep the advertising revenue on that page. So they can actually sell that advertising, or they can get Facebook to do it, and they'll take a 30% cut. On the surface, it looks like a great deal for everyone. It's a win-win situation for consumers. Because you can get news that loads up faster, like we're talking seconds. And you know what? I know that sounds kind of crazy. Like, who cares? It's a few seconds. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, when I click on some of those news articles on Facebook, uh, and like Facebook says, it can take up to eight seconds. And I know that's crazy. Like, do, do I not have eight seconds to wait? Well, no. <laughs> it, I, it, I click off right away. Yes. So, like I said, it, it, it seems like a really good deal for everybody. But this, for the, for the New York Times, it's like making a deal with the devil because now Facebook understands your audience better than you do. Because it's like, imagine like being a farmer and you get a little plot of land on Facebook's pasture. You're, you're really, uh, they control everything now. Um, but you'll still make money, and that's what the New York Times was struggling is how do we get Are they going to the make eyeballs? a lot of money, though, is the, the, the challenge? And that's, I think, a lot of these guys, like you know the newspapers that are trying to be digital first now, they're still not making the money. And, you know, I, I, I understand this because I'm a content producer. Mm-hmm. We make our TV show. And, uh, you know, for years that whole model worked. You know, the TV stations would give us a, a licensing fee. Uh, you know, the government had some tax credits for us as well. Um, that's all dead. Uh, you know, so now we're trying to make money online, publishing our content online. I can't make money to save myself mm-hmm. on there. So even though I have more viewers online, I'm making less money now. So yep. I feel for these guys like, you know, the newspapers and, and magazines that are trying to get into the digital world. They're not making the same kind of money, and a lot of them are going to die. Absolutely. And I, I know that sounds harsh, but it's a reality. We're seeing it. But if you talk to a lot of the journalists out there who've come from, like, the olden days and now they're in the digital age, they're, they're, they're concerned because they don't – the ramifications of this, what's going to happen in 10 years when basically – if you want news, you have to go on Facebook. Facebook's going to – they need content. They always need content. Well, they've got a billion users, and that's why they – you know, these publishers cannot you – know, they have to do it. Yeah, but – Or they get left behind. Well, they're going to get left behind, but we're not going to know what the ramifications this is going to have on the entire industry, the media industry, until about five years or now. But I'll tell you this. Facebook is going to know more about the New York Times audience than the New York Times will know about their own audience. And having that knowledge is power, and they're going to use it to uh, negotiate with these big players. We're open line here and Get Connected, taking your tech calls and questions, 604-280-9898, going to jump here to some of the calls. We've got Steve on the line. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. Hey, uh, I've got a question for you. Um, 
about using Chromecast with iPad tablet. Uh, Want to use it for uh, you know Netflix and my satellite uh, app? Uh, is there a good way or a bad way to do that? Uh, great question. Have you used uh, Chromecast with an iPad yet? Yeah. No, no. I've I, I have with the Android tablet, yeah. and it, and it works really good. Uh, iPad, not necessarily, because typically. What you do is if you have an iPad, most people will get an Apple TV. Yeah, because then you can AirPlay it. That's what Apple calls kind of their Chromecast. Exactly. But yeah. the Chromecast is so affordable when you compare it to it, all the other players. It's yeah. like, what, $35? Yeah. So, so for a lot of people, they want to have that solution because it's so cheap. But it works way better on Android. It'll work seamlessly on Android devices. Uh, not so much for iPads. I've never tried it myself, so I can't say how it would be. But I can't imagine it's, it's not going to be as easy if you had an Apple TV, that's for sure. Yeah, Steve, uh, to be honest, I have not tried an iPad um, with a Chromecast key. And so, listeners, what Steve's talking about is uh, Google, they've made this little Chromecast uh, uh, key that plugs in. It's like a little, almost looks like a little dongle thing. Yeah. Uh, plugs into the HDMI port on the back of your big screen TV. And theoretically, you'll be able to wirelessly send any of the content coming from your, uh, your tablet. Uh, so... You know, being Google, it works really well with their Google Android devices, tablets, smartphones. Uh, with Apple, uh, I haven't tried it yet. But I'll open that up to the listeners if they have tried it and, you know, what kind of experiences uh, they've had. And uh, uh, maybe we can get some of the calls on that. When we come back from the break, we're going to take more of your calls. Uh, so Malcolm and Greg, stay on the line. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. we got Mike and Andy here in studio. I'm Mike. You're Andy. I'm Andy. Coming up in a little bit, we've got App of the Week with Christina, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. We are taking your calls and questions, 604-280-9898. So we're going to jump here to uh, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hi, good morning. Really enjoying the show, Mike Thank and you. Andy. Thanks Thank for introducing you. yourselves. Um, so I'm an old programmer from the uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and now I just watch from afar. And I'm getting back into it. I wondered if, I guess, Andy, if you have a recommendation for the best um, – equivalent of what used to be Norton Utilities, but for, uh, for a MacBook. So I'm running OS 10. OS 10. That's a good question. Um, typically, a lot of people that are using Macs don't use antivirus software at all. What I've done, I've always had a problem with antivirus software, and I blame Norton. I blame Norton Utilities. What? Because well, Norton Utilities was uh, did they have antivirus in that? That wasn't that more of a utility. It well it has it, most of everything. It yeah. would it would try to defrag your computer and had like all these different services. And when you bought a laptop, it would come pre-installed, but it would slow it down so much that um, I would never like to use it. So typically, I've been shying away from all that kind of stuff and try to do a manual cleanup, manual defrags and stuff like that on the MacBook. On the PC side. Um, I, I do regular checkups just like you do, Mike. I know you like CCleaner to clean up your PCs. And um, on there's another website, and just something you want to check out if you have viruses or you're concerned about viruses. It's called F-Secure, and it's basically an online antivirus that will scan your computer without having to put software on. And that's something that I've uh, been really interested in is using is stuff that I don't actually have to have the software on the computer because I'm always concerned that it's just going to hog up my RAM and when you're when you're doing a lot of different programs, you want to make sure you you have as much RAM space as possible. Yeah. So you know some of the things I've seen online. Uh, um, there's uh, a couple here recommended: uh, Clean My Mac and Mac Keeper, mm -hmm. uh, which 
a lot of people are saying are, are, are pretty good. I got a Mac myself, and I don't have any utility programs. Yeah. I mean, the Macs typically run quite well without having to go in and, and clean them up. But, you know, I'll open that up to the listeners as well. Uh, if you've got a Mac, uh, if you uh, have a utility program software that you use to help keep things running properly and clean it up, we'd love to hear from you as well. So that uh, gives uh, Greg some uh, recommendations uh, on that. And jump here to Malcolm. Hey, Malcolm. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, uh, do you think BlackBerry will take over Palm? Uh, in in what aspect? You know, like to buy the company, uh, because I heard I hear Palm owns Alcatel. So will will BlackBerry just acquire uh, Palm? Yes, yeah, interesting. I don't know um, if that really kind of fits into their overall vision and, and goals uh, now. Uh, BlackBerry kind of. Uh, uh, not what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not really getting so much into the handsets and, and what have you now. They're really trying to build up the back end, uh, their security software, their server software. That's kind of where the money is. Um, you know, they're very competitive in that space uh, as well. They're still putting out handsets, but uh, aiming them more at a business audience. So uh, having them buy like a, a, uh, a Palm or an Alcatel, uh, I didn't know Palm owned Alcatel, but um, I, I don't think that would happen. Yes, uh, you're right. They are focusing more on the back end because their their encryption software from the email side is still one of the industry best. Um, but they're opening up now. They're they're starting to partner with uh, Google. They're starting to partner with, of course, the other platforms out there. So even BBM is now available. Uh, BlackBerry Messenger, sorry, is available on both Android and uh, Apple devices. But they they're not out of the smartphone game altogether they have the blackberry passport which is this like super wide square smartphone that's actually around the same size as an actual passport which is why they call it the passport and that's aimed at business users who do heavy on email but we just got this in mike you haven't seen it yet i left it on your desk it's the new blackberry leap smartphone and so that's another kind of a consumer friendly more geared toward the business side smartphone looks very much like a an Android smartphone. Yeah. You can actually get Android apps now in BlackBerry devices because that was one of the issues they had, not enough apps to entice people to make that switch or to stay on BlackBerry. So it's, it's actually really nice. I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts on it because we've seen BlackBerry evolve a lot over the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, I'll be having a look at the BlackBerry Leap uh, on uh, Global News, Noon Hour News uh, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. around uh, about uh, quarter to one uh, in the afternoon. So you'll uh, want to stay tuned for that. We are going to have to take another break. When we come back, we're going to get App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Talking tech today. We are periscoping this uh, show as well. Uh, So that's a live video stream uh, through Twitter. You can download the Periscope app off the Apple uh, app store and uh, you can also watch online as well our uh, twitter handle is at get connected now and there's a few details uh, if you go to our, our twitter page on uh, how to tune into periscope i think there's a link there so you can actually watch it on your web browser as well it's that time of the week app of the week with christina christina how are you doing well how are you great what do we got uh, this week we have an app that I don't think is going to appeal to you, Mike, but it appeals to me. Okay. And maybe a few listeners. Yes. Um, it's the New York Times cooking app. So the New York Times cooking section 
the recipes in there have been a bit of an institution for quite some time and people are bookmarking and clipping them and all that. So they've actually curated all that good stuff into an app to make it easy for you to cook with your iPad or iPhone beside you. Um, So are these all recipes that are in the app? That's right. So they've put in 17,000 of their 17,000 recipes. Oh my yes. Gosh. Yeah. And it's all curated by the food editor there. Um, it's a great little app. It lets you filter uh, the type of meal that you want to cook. And there's actually cocktails in there as well, which is always your fa- exciting. Your favorite section, clearly. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting with um, cooking. Um, I'm not like a great cook. I'm, I'm kind of the breakfast guy in our house. And uh, I actually... In the morning, Sunday mornings uh, or Saturday mornings, uh, you know, if I'm up early enough before the show, um, you know, if I want to try a different type of breakfast thing out, I actually got my iPad there and I, I have the recipe right on there and I'm like using that as I'm, I'm going along. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's funny because I love to cook and the iPad has actually changed the way people cook because having the recipe book out has gone out the window and also it's just not. You know, if you're living in a small condo or apartment, you don't have 18 recipe books on your shelf because you just don't have the space for them. So now you just have your iPad and it's easy and you can search things on there. You can check out what's on the web or on Pinterest or these great apps like the New York Times cooking one. So why is this better than just kind of Googling, you know, French toast? Uh, Because these are all curated and they have a great staff of cooks uh, at the New York Times who are contributing recipes. So these are sort of tried and tested recipes, which is always nice to have that uh, little assurance that it's going to turn out well as long as you follow the instructions. They also have some uh, some recipe collections. So they've actually curated collections for certain purposes for you. Cool. And again, your favorite part is the cocktails. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, who can say no to that? No. (laughs) Uh, And how much is the app? This one's free. It's only available on iOS. Sorry, Andy. It's okay. No Android folks. I I use YouTube anyways if I want recipes because I'm more of a visual learner. Yes. So you were the YouTube man, whether it's cooking something or building a fence. I, I learned how to build a fence and a deck. All on YouTube, I believe know. it or not. It, you blow me away. It's crazy. You just have to watch enough videos that you actually think you've done it before. <laughs> That's the secret. And do you find them, uh, you know, when you're watching YouTube videos on how to make a fence, for example, are they detailed enough, do you find? No, there's... no, they tricked me. They made it look so easy. They're like, yeah, next step, do this. I'm like, oh, I can do that. And then, like, just getting everything leveled was the hardest thing. But in in like video land it's so easy the guy goes yep oh perfectly leveled yep so next step do this well because then he wants to look good right on youtube yes and it was nicely edited and i you know somebody who produces videos still got got tricked into to knowing that it just because the video looked it looked easy it's not that easy cool well thanks christina and the name of the app of of that app again uh, it's NYT Cooking on the App Store. The New York Times Cooking app. Andy, uh, the contest one more time. This week we're giving away a copy of System Mechanic. This is a PC utility software that can help you uh, tune up your PC just like you would with your car. All you got to do is go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com to enter and win a copy of System Mechanic. It's been around for 20 years, so you know... They're doing something right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here still. Uh, It's one of the most popular tune-up softwares out on the market today. So go to our website, 
GetConnectedMedia.com. If you want to learn how to uh, increase the Wi-Fi range in your house, you can actually tune in this Monday morning at uh, around 8.20. I'll be talking with uh, Sophie and uh, Jay on uh, all the different gadgets and steps you need to do to make sure that all your devices uh, are hooked up. And again, 8.20, Global uh, Morning News. That's all the time we have left. I want to thank Mike, Andy, Kenji, and Christina for making the show happen. We're all logging off. We'll see you again next week.